Hello, and welcome to the Childcare Business Coach Podcast. My name is Evelyn Knight. I am a child care center owner and director, and I'm the CEO of Child Care Business Professionals, where we help center owners find success in business while achieving high-quality research-based standards. I hope everybody is having a wonderful week and had a great weekend. I'm coming straight off my weekend, and it was such a beautiful weekend. I just had to spend it out in the Nevada hills hiking a bit. I hope you use your weekend time to relax and just decompress. It's so important to take care of yourself as an early childhood education professional. Our jobs can be pretty stressful, but it's really important that we're on top of our game so that we're giving the best we can to the children in our care. Today's podcast is mainly going to be for owners, but if you're a director, it might actually be helpful for you too. We are going to dive into culture a little bit, like the culture of your center. But before I get into that, I just want to uh, let you guys know about a promotion I have coming up. If you want to be a part of a community where you can really grow as a leader, I'm going to be starting a cohort for owners that will help you take you through the process of automating your systems. If you are thinking about opening a center, if you're a new center owner, or if you're thinking about opening a second or third or even maybe a fourth location, this program will be for you. We're going to work together every week as a cohort where we can bounce ideas off each other. And I will actually be guiding you through developing an automated system to help learn how to run your center more efficiently, which in turn will give you more time to do the things you really want to do. Make sure you join my Facebook group if this is something you'd be interested in. And you want to join before March 2nd because On March 2nd, I am actually going to be launching a free training on how to increase your enrollment and how to maintain the enrollment in your center. And I'll be doing Facebook Lives every day of the week um, starting March 2nd just to help you learn how to really take control of your enrollment. So I will put the link to my Facebook group in our show notes. If you're not on Facebook, no worries. Just send me an email and I will put my email in the show notes also. Our meetings will actually be via Zoom. We'll just meet virtually via Zoom anyway. So there's no need to actually be on Facebook, but you'll just get a lot more interaction. It's just the easiest platform for me to have discussions with people and for people to get a hold of me. So now let's get into what I'd like to talk about today. And I want to talk to owners mainly. And I want you to think about when you first became a business owner. And or if you're thinking about becoming a business owner right now, why is it that we go into business no matter what the industry, most people go into business for the same reason. We're usually seeking out freedom, whether it's freedom from working for somebody else, or it's freedom from uh, having to answer to somebody else's timeline or making someone else rich or just being able to take control of your time, most of us set out to be owners, to be our own boss, to gain some kind of freedom. But most of us, after being an owner, you quickly realize that you almost give up a big portion of your freedom as an owner. I know when I started as an owner, 
I worked so much. I probably worked uh, 70 hours a week easily. It became a seven day a week job. And I was at my center from open to close. I was so afraid not to be there. And then we were broke at the time. It's it's really hard as a new business owner, if you don't know how to run a business. If you're not a business person, it can be really, really hard. So I was trying to do so much on my own. I was trying to be my own janitor, my own maintenance person. So on the weekends, I would try and manage all of that. I would go in and just try to clean the building and just do everything. And at the time, my first center was licensed for 76 children. So it wasn't huge by any means. It wasn't a big center, but it wasn't small either. So doing all of that was so time consuming and exhausting. And at the time, my husband worked a a lot. He uh, was in the car industry, and he was working 50 to 60 hours a week. So he really was unable to help me. And so it was just me pretty much. And every now and then I had family and friends that helped. But I just was trying so hard to save the money that I was just doing everything myself. And I'm sure many of you owners feel the same way. And you're probably going through the same thing now. Or you went through that when you were a first when you were a startup like me. It's actually very, very common. And uh, it's one of my goals just to help new owners not face that. Um, I found myself in the same trap when I took over my second center. When I went into my second center, I thought that I would finally find the freedom. It was much bigger than my first center. And I thought that was it. Now that I've got more kids, I'm going to make more money. And it's going to be easier. And that's not true. It, It really wasn't true at all. More kids means your expenses go up. So it really doesn't always add up like that. If you don't know really how to manage a business. And at the time I didn't, I had been, I had some management experience, my husband had management experience, and I had a lot of childcare experience. But we had never been business owners. And I will say it over and over again, being an owner is completely different. It is so incredibly different than managing anything. You need business knowledge. And it's something we did not know going into business is that you do need to have a business mind. And that's not something that we had. It was something that I ended up having to learn. And when I did learn it, it changed everything for me. That is when I was finally able to make the business profitable when I learned how to be a business person. And you know, if you've listened to my other episodes, you'll hear me sometimes tell you that there's like two people inside me that are always at odds with each other. There's the owner inside me and the director inside me. And sometimes the director inside me will just think like, oh, no, we've got to do it this way. Because, you know, this is the industry standard. This is how, uh, you know, the parents like to see things. But then the owner inside of me realizes like, yeah, industry standards aren't going to keep me in business, right? And during the tough economy time, and I'll tell you guys, I started in business right before the bad economy hit. And the city that we decided to build our first center in was hit by a major flood that took out like 20% of our entire city just 
a month before we were set to open. And it devastated us. It actually delayed my opening date. And it literally, like 50% of the people who had signed up and pre-registered with us left town. Their houses were destroyed. So it was really hard to start out that way. This also happened during the time that the economy was actually at its peak. So everybody was thinking that the economy was doing amazing, but the town that we were in was starting to become really depressed because of that flood. And the people um, were just leaving. And that is really when our economy had that turn. So the timing, honestly, to open a new business could not have been worse. At the time, we were the first center to actually build from the ground up in our town. But altogether, there were five centers in our little town of 25,000 people. So which is still not that much. But through the economy, one thing I learned and going through the flood and everything is that uh, industry standards have to go. When times are tough, you kind of have to reinvent the wheel. And that's where I had to learn how to be a business owner. And I had to stop listening to the director side of me. When I first started, I had also hired a director. I was really scared to do this on my own. And uh, I had a director that was my boss for a while that had done a great job. With her, things did not work out. So we hired a different director that was actually from a different state and kind of the same thing. She had worked for small businesses. My first director had actually worked for corporations. So she'd never actually worked for like small business owners. My second one did, but it was kind of the same thing. They were just stuck in that director's brain, which is their job. But they didn't understand business. And now they were dealing with a terrible economy in a depressed town. And they didn't know what to do. They were used to running centers that in areas where there was abundance. And uh, when the you know, there just everybody had a wait list because the economy had been doing wonderful. And there was plenty of families. But now, our city was pretty much we lost a huge amount of our population. And uh, the economy was tanking. People didn't have jobs. The economy in my area got so bad that we had a 27% unemployment rate. We were one of the highest counties in the United States for unemployment. So I knew that we had to do something to survive. So even before I hired my business coach, I did start making changes and I started just not following the trends. And that was really, really hard because I knew what industry standards said. And I knew that this is how things had always been. And this is just how the childcare world worked. But there was another part of me that also knew that if I stuck with industry standards, we would be out of business. And let me tell you, now that I look in retrospect, only two out of the five centers that were in the city survived. And ours was one of them. The rest of them all shut down. They just couldn't make it. So mindset is just incredibly important for an owner and owners really do have to lead their centers. A lot of times I will see owners who try to check out and they just kind of want to just be totally out of the business, but you really can't. You really, really have to have some part in it because the director cannot do their job 
without an owner who is supporting them. They need to know what their budgets are. They just, they really need that support. The other thing too is just like the vision and the mission, which I've already done a podcast episode on, the owner sets the culture of the center. And that is so incredibly important. You do not want someone else dictating your business's culture. And every center has a culture, whether you like it or not, it does have a culture. So it's really important for us to be intentional. We really want to intentionally create our center's culture. So just think about what you want your customers experience to be and what you want your staff's experience to be. You have to be intentional about what you want your reputation to be. What do you want people to say about your center? If there's a couple of people having a conversation about it, you know, at the football field or something, you want that intentionality and you want to be in control of it and create it. So uh, writing it down, like, what is that I want people to think about when they're thinking about my center is something that is really important. And that's something that you really have to step out from behind the desk and you have to model it. We often assume that everybody is like us, but they're not. That leads us to having unrealistic expectations of our staff and the people around us. If you want to make sure that you really do have control of your center's culture, you really need to start figuring out what your values are and hire people that reflect those values so that they you are getting people who are more like you, right? They're not always going to be like you. So just be really careful with that. You don't want to assume and project and have unrealistic expectations of people because you're assuming that they are like you. Okay, so let me just make that clear. But in order to fill your center with the right employees, you've got to know what your values are when it comes to childcare. So I'll give you a couple examples of what I mean. For me in my center, quality is extremely important to me. I want to make sure that I am giving the children the best possible care that I can. So high quality standards are very, very important to me. But in order for that to translate as culture in my center, those standards have to be research-based. They can't just be quality that I made up. It can't just be something that I decided today that this looks like quality, so this is going to be quality. So we do a lot of research and we do a lot of training. And I am constantly reading about this stuff and taking classes, right, in order to make sure that what I'm training my staff, the information I'm passing along to them is research-based quality. And it really does reflect the highest quality standards. I also assign a lot of trainings to my staff that goes along with adhering to that research-based quality. I hold my staff to high standards, but I make sure that they have the tools to meet with those high standards because they rely on me for that. Our commitment to being a very high quality center is reflective of our QRIS standards and also our accreditation status, our pursuing accreditation. Those are all things that I make sure also that my staff has the tools to succeed in. 
So that's an example of high quality. Uh, The other thing is that when I'm interviewing new staff, I am looking for what I consider my it factor. Because one of the other things that's very important to me is to make sure that my center is a very nurturing and loving environment. Brain development is extremely important to me. And I know that children thrive and learn best when they are in a loving, nurturing environment. So during my interviews, I look at what I call my it factor. And I'm really looking for something that cannot be trained in a person. I'm looking for someone who is extremely nurturing and loving and compassionate. So my interview questions are going to be specific they're going to be looking for things that have to do with those areas. The other thing is we actually have a three-step interview process. The second part of my process, I'm actually observing the people during their second interview portion with the children, and I'm really looking to see how are they interacting. Uh, My teachers are also observing, and then they know what to report back to me. But I want to know what they're like in the classroom, I can train someone how to be a preschool teacher, I can train someone how to be an aide, I can train how to clean or to manage a classroom, but I cannot train someone to be a nurturing, loving person. It's just something that usually we are, it's part of our temperament. So when I'm doing an interview, I have specifically set it up to look for specific traits that I can nurture because the rest I can train. And I want to make sure it's someone who is really more focused on guidance than they are discipline. We are not a discipline based center. We believe in teaching and guiding children. So that's important that somebody comes in and fits in with that portion of my philosophy. Those are all ways that I make sure my culture stays the way I want it. We also ask a lot of psychological questions that will weed out troublemakers, the type of toxic employees that can really just ruin the entire culture of a center. And those toxic employees also can take over. It is crazy how easily they can take over. When I was an owner in the beginning, my first couple of years, I really did not understand the importance of managing toxic employees, avoiding them, getting rid of them. I didn't understand how poisonous they could really be, how just one person can really change that entire culture of your center until one of them left one day. And uh, it was actually one that I had working for me for a few years. I think she was with me for three years. And when she left, it was like this cloud lifted from my entire staff. And I just realized how much her negativity had been hurting my staff. And that's when I just realized that I can't let this happen again. And I have to squash toxic employees pretty quick after that. So now we really try to make sure that we're not hiring them. And I do have several psychological questions I ask in my um, interview process, which, you know, my degrees in psychology really help a lot with that. But there's a lot out there. And they're pretty easy to find. And if you would like them, feel free to email me. I'm more than happy to send them to you. They're very, very simple. I can write up a quick explanation of 
what to look for during the questions. I'm happy to share those with anybody. It will save you a lot of pain to know the people that you need to be careful for. So it doesn't mean that people don't fall through the cracks. It still happens. I just recently, uh, within the last year, did have to let go of a couple that had gotten through. So it happens, especially as the hiring pool gets tougher. Sometimes it's just harder to attract the people we want to attract, which by the way, is something I will be going into great detail on during our cohort, how to attract the right people, where to find them, how to hire, how to onboard. Um, onboarding is another very, very important part to establishing your culture. From day one, having a really, really good new hire training system in place is so important to make sure that your new people coming on board are really fitting into that culture and they're helping to keep it going really and to complement what you really have intentionally tried to accomplish. And again, if you haven't listened to my podcast episode on vision and mission, go back and listen to that because those are very important when it comes to establishing that culture. You've got to know your vision before you can establish your culture. And then you've just got to set up your values. I mean, take a piece of paper out and write down what is important to me. You know, I made what I called an integrity manifesto when I was about three or four years into ownership. And I just wanted to make sure that I remained an owner with integrity. So that kind of became my value. It became my value system, which ended up dictating my culture. And, you know, the things I mentioned were part of my things of my part of my integrity piece, where I, you know, to me, if I were going to have integrity, I was going to always do what was best for the children, regardless of what was popular. And there's a lot that we are fighting out there right now when it comes to what is best for children versus what is popular. There's so much commercialization of preschool that is really convincing parents that something is good for them when it really isn't good for them. It's not really focusing on what's best for the children. So those are the kind of things where parents will come to me and they'll just say, you know, why aren't you doing this and that? And I've just learned over time, you have to educate parents sometimes. And that is part of staying true to my culture and my values that I've established for my center and my center's vision. It all plays into one big piece of the puzzle. So I hope that was helpful for you. I hope you found some good information. And I really encourage you to go and take control of your center. If you're a director, and you have an owner that really is just not around at all, and it's really just up to you, you can still do this. You can intentionally just make your own little manifesto And just like, what do I want my parents to feel, my employees to feel, and start living it, start talking to them about it, start finding trainings for your staff that really play up on it, do newsletters for the parents and just really start manifesting that it is something you can do too. So thank you so much for taking your time to listen to me talk today. I hope this was helpful. And again, I really do hope that you'll join us in our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing more of you there. And I'm hoping that you will gain some good information during the Facebook live trainings that I'll be doing. Those trainings will also give you an opportunity to ask me questions and interact with me live. So please join me that week. 
Again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to me. I hope this has been helpful for you and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. Have a wonderful week.